0: welcome to a conversation with Floyd Marshall and I am joined by the amazing television and film producer Ms. Dorez Douglas and I'm going to tell you just a little bit about who this young lady is because the resume is long the career in Hollywood is long and I'm just so excited to have her here and again better through clubhouse. So this clubhouse is doing something right. So let's let's talk a little bit about who Ms. Dorez Douglas is. Dorez Douglas is an author, poet and producer in Los Angeles, California. And she got her start as co-executive producer of a children's animated special for ABC TV. Now I am not even going to try and pronounce this the name of this. So I'm going to acquiesce to Dorez really quickly. What was the name of that program, Dorez?
1: It was called Jerem Pimbira, and that's a magic word that's said in the story. So that's where the name comes from.
0: Okay, what she said. <laughs> so I'm going to continue. Now, it was an African folktale which aired in 1995 and received a Parents' Choice Award. Now, check out who was actually in this as the voices. Diane Carroll, Paul Winfield, James Avery, Meshack Taylor, Don Lewis, and Jamil Smith, all names that you should recognize if you're moving in the film space. Now, in the late 90s, the created the Entertainment Industry program, program as part of Concerned Citizens of South Central Los Angeles. The program trained youth 13 to 18-year-old for jobs behind the camera and was co-sponsored by DreamWorks and Sony Pictures Entertainment. And for the past two decades, Douglas and her uh, partner, two-time Academy Award winner Willie D. Burton, have produced various projects, including a feature film, Beverly Hood, the outrageous comedy feature, Kim Whitley, who I love, Lavelle Crawford, Walter Powell, Yolanda Yo-Yo Whitaker, going back a couple of years in the rap game, Yo-Yo, and uh, Destiny's Child. In September 2020, Douglas and Burton shot a film called *Voices*, starring Lamont Rucker, another phenomenal actor. The film premiered in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and in Los Angeles, California, and it has been submitted to several film festivals. And she's currently in production for *Still we Rise: Life in 2020*, a documentary profiling various people around the country dealing with the pandemic, including four men living in a group home. Their next project is a docudrama about the African-American female founder of one of the top charter schools in Louisiana. Filming will start in September, 2021. Feature products and development include The Untold Secret, Legal Hitman, and Desire, all based on true stories and Cabin 4, a supernatural thriller. Now, Ms. Dorez Douglas was born in Detroit, Michigan, but moved to Los Angeles in 1980. She's a formal gospel singer and is the daughter of a minister. She has written three ebooks about the entertainment industry. And uh, I'm just going to mention that right now. If you're listening to this or you are going to be listening to this, please. Visit Ms. Dorez on Instagram and click the link in her bio, because if you're moving in this space, those are books that you need to have in your arsenal. But we're going to circle back to that. So Dorez, I am so happy to have you on a conversation with. We we talk quite often on Clubhouse, but this is actually the first time that we've got to see each other face to face. So how are you?
1: I'm doing great. And you're right. This After talking on on, on Clubhouse for so long, I feel like I already know you, like we've met. And then then when we were setting this up, I started thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I haven't met Floyd in person. Mm -hmm. So I am so honored to be here. I just love sharing information with newcomers, especially, and also helping those who've already been in the business, but just want to move their careers up. So that makes me really thrilled for this opportunity. And I'm just so proud of you for having this podcast.
0: Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business. But more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall, Jr. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm I'm selfish. Because one of the reasons, you know, as we were talking about earlier, one of the reasons I started it, well, because of the pandemic and it was something that I wanted to do live, but because, you know, everything had started shutting down, I had to go online and, you know, we, we were talking briefly about the fact that there are two types of people, people who sat and waited for things to end and things to supposedly get back to whatever the normal is. And those who kept it moving in and during the, the pandemic, but enough about me, you have been in this business for quite some time. So can you tell everyone how you got started?
1: Wow. Now we're going to go way back, but there was a, a program at the, uh, Local Comcast, uh, I think it was called Comcast um, Cable, and they were offering a, an opportunity to do a po- uh, do a um, live show. Well, some were live, but mine was going to be recorded. But some people did a live show. But you had to create a show. You could go to them and pitch your show, and if they liked it, they would give you the opportunity to pay a minimal fee, I mean, like 17 bucks or something uh, per show. And they gave you the studio and the uh, equipment. And they even had an editing class and a producer's orientation class. So I I wish they had something like that. Now they might still. Mm -hmm. So I would tell people, if you haven't checked with your local cable company, find out if they have a public access channel. And that's the channel your show would be on. And so it was some kind of mandate by the government. They had to have that channel. Mm-hmm. So, so that may still be the case. But anyway, that was how I got started. And I had a friend who worked for Disney, and she told me what we would need to do. And she helped me develop the show. And so it was called Eye on Entertainment. And it was something like Entertainment Tonight. Mm-hmm. A- and I would interview people. The only difference was whoever the guest was, they got the whole 30 minutes. Oh, wow. So, you know, you know, they were loving that. So we get, we had people like Robert Townsend and uh, Blair Underwood came and they, it, they just did a beautiful uh, job um, sharing with everybody how they got started, how to make a, a low budget, you know, film. And I mean, they shared so much valuable information. I wish that I, I had those, shows that I could put them on YouTube or something now but they they were wonderful gracious people and I learned so much about producing oh my goodness the stories <laughs> that I could tell because you can imagine I jumped into that with no prior experience hmm. and the little orientation class was only like two hours oh, wow. <laughs> to learn how to be a producer <laughs> they gave you like a work some worksheets and paperwork and stuff and they would tell you Go home, fill this out, bring it back. If it meets our standards, Mm -hmm. you know, then we'll let you start shooting. And you can shoot in your studio. So you really had, like, you know, very minimal uh, expenses. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to get, like, uh, a lady who helped me with catering. And I got a, a couple of women that do hair and makeup, you know, and stuff like that. So it felt like a really, like, unique Show at the time, mm-hmm. you know, because you can imagine this was like over 30 years ago. So anyway, that's how I got my start. And then after that, through this same lady that worked for Disney is how I got to ABC. And she knew some people there mm-hmm. and she knew that I liked telling stories, uh, children's stories. And she asked me, could I pick out a story, a couple of stories, and we would go and pitch them. You can imagine like <laughs> I was quaking in my shoes because I never pitched anything, mm. and I'm thinking she's going to take over, you know, because right. I'm like, she works, for me. she knows what she's doing, but she wasn't a producer either. Mm. So she said to me, you're so good at talking, you go in and, and pitch it. I'm going to go with you, but you you do the pitching. I was like, my God, we're not going to get a deal. <laughs> we're we already beat before we go in the door. Wow. But some, something said, look, get those negative thoughts out of your mind. Right. I love that you always say that, (laughs) Floyd, about negativity and thinking those, you know, those negative thoughts. And so I just got myself together, uh, found some good stories. We found a a lady to help us uh, getting it written, getting the script written. And it turned out this was just magical. It turned out this, this young lady who wrote the script for us, had actually already sold projects to ABC. She was already a writer known to them. And I didn't know the importance of that. If you want to get a deal fast, Mm -hmm. you need to get somebody who's already got a relationship. at Wherever it is you're trying to go, if you're trying to go to Netflix or Amazon, wherever it is, you need to try to start connecting with people who are doing what you want to do, who understand how it's done, and who can help you, and listen to them. Don't be hard-headed and say, I don't want to do it that way, or I don't want to do you know t- tell the story that way, or I don't like it, this or that. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, if you don't know how to do it, you, you better listen to those who do. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, th- that was basically my start. And through ABC, of course, is how we were able to get such top-quality actors. Because, I mean, we had like 80, I would say at least B-list, Actors oh boy. who applied, you know, who auditioned and just for those little few roles that we had.
2: Wow. And
1: that really to me about how the industry works. Of course, things are much better now, but that just shows you how desperate black actors were for good, you know, quality right. projects involved in. And so when they said Diane Carroll wanted to do the narration, I was like, what? It just seemed unreal to me, but it really was a lesson to me working with people like that, Mm -hmm. the experience, oh my goodness, it, it gave me chills. And when I get a minute, I'll I'll tell you a story about Diane Carroll. We, we come back to that. I'll circle back out there.
0: But, but see that that's interesting, but you know what, that's what we talk about now. Fast forward to 2021 with the way Hollywood is changing albeit slowly it's changing because in all honesty they really don't have a choice because people are tired of the status quo of only one type of person entity being in charge and I'ma call it out male white men and right. that's not the way society looks so you just have a lot of uh people of color you know you know us Asians, Indians, Hispanics, they were like, you know what, this this is not a true reflection of of, of society, the way you guys have this hierarchy set up. So mm-hmm. the way it was 30 years ago and the way it is now, with with so many of us beginning to build our own tables, because now our our mindset is, you know what? We're tired of asking, so we're no longer going to do that. We're just going to mm-hmm. do it ourselves. And then, you know, with you doing, you know, everything that that you're doing as far as short films with Lamont Rucker and and so many other different projects, you know, the thing that you guys are going to be working on next year that we must talk about. Yes, we do. <laughs> so it's just interesting how, how far things have come along. But when you were talking about you first getting in the business. Now you, you said you're originally from Detroit. So what made you decide to pick up, leave Detroit <laughs> and move to Los Angeles was, with absolutely no film experience whatsoever? Well, what made you do that?
1: Insanity and being naive. Mm. <laughs> Those two things can work for you sometimes. Mm. Sometimes it's better not to know what you're gonna be up against. Because that will keep you from trying. And I just decided that there was going to be no more trying, Mm -hmm. because as you say, Floyd, that word is a death sentence (laughs) to getting anything done. When you keep saying trying, I'm trying. And and that's what I had been doing in Detroit. I was working regular jobs and just wishing. You know, Mm -hmm. and hoping and watching TV and saying, I wish that was me that created that show. You know, why isn't that me that's doing this or doing that? And just sitting around being jealous. And I had a brother who lived here. He's deceased now, but um, he was so wonderful and said, you know, you can stay with me. The only thing I didn't know was when I came here, I didn't realize how spread out California is. Mm -hmm. So he lived in Orange County, which as you know, is not close to LA. Not at all. And if you don't have a car, you may as well be in Timbuktu. And so I had no car. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And this was like 1975. That was my first attempt hmm. to move to LA. And, but I knew I needed to move to LA. That part, I I had no doubt. I knew I needed to go where the work is. And there are a lot of people who say, you know, L.A. is so saturated. There's just too many people. Everybody's trying to get the same jobs. I heard all the reasons not to do it, Mm -hmm. but I've always been stubborn in that sense. If I get onto a dream or a plan or whatever, I'm going to do it some kind of way. Mm -hmm. So I failed that first time, had to go back home. And then when I got ready to come out again, I didn't want to be in Orange County. So I said, well, okay, I have to forget this idea of my brother helping me out. I'm just going to have to get to LA, find a place. I don't care if it's a hole in the wall in the ghetto. I'm going to get to LA and I'm going to stay this time. Mm -hmm. There wasn't going to be any turning back. Well, as fate, I guess you could, there's the only other word for it is fate, would have it. I met a man who. Wanted to help a young person. He had been looking for somebody to kind of mentor or help out. And he wasn't in the in- industry at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But he was just a good-hearted guy. He was much older than me. And he said, look, I, I really never had any luck with trying to help my daughters. He said they they were just good for nothing. He mm-hmm. said, but I want to take you under my wing if you want to. He said, I'll help you get to L.A. and I'll help you get set up. And then you have to take it from there. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it sounded like a really good offer, you know, and I was like, yeah, okay. Right. I still didn't have a car, and I still didn't have a job, and I really didn't have a plan. But God just, you know, sometimes God looks out for fools and babies, as they say. (laughs) So... I decided I'll take a chance. Of course, everybody was telling me, you're stupid. You're crazy. You don't know this man. You know, you could get out there to L.A. and you just be stuck Mm -hmm. out there flapping your wings. So uh, to make a long story short, he was true to his word. He helped me get to L.A. I moved into a little rinky dink apartment in Inglewood. I didn't care about my image, all this stuff people care about now that are so into, you know, the, because of social media, I right. think, yes, who are into, you know, I got to be in a fancy apartment and, you know, living up on the, up in the Hollywood Hills and know that comes later after you've done the work and mm-hmm. paid your dues. And so if that's what you want to do, but anyway, so I got here, didn't have a plan, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know anything about the entertainment business at the time, the one thing I had in my favor was that I could sing. So I thought, maybe I should just be a singer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so that dream didn't take long to die. After I met a few people in the music business and they started telling me what I needed to do and how it works and how ruthless the people are that are in the industry and, you know, how it's going to be difficult for me because I wear glasses and I'm not skinny and There was just all those no's. And I listened to them and said, you know, okay, let me forget the music thing. Hmm. And then I accidentally fell into the entertainment business. And I'm going to tell you how it happened. I was I had excellent office skills and I know a lot of people don't put much stock in that today. But if you know how to work a computer or you have any kind of, you know, skills that you can use in an office, you should, that's where you need to go in the entertainment business. And there's not as as nearly as much competition on the development side, working in the offices, the production companies, the studios, the networks, the streaming services. Now, of course, they didn't have all of that when I started. So what I had to do was I had to try to get hired at the studios. And at that time I didn't even know that was considered the development side. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I had office skills And I found out that there were some uh, companies and uh, employment agencies that have deals with the uh, studios and networks and stuff like that. And they supply them with temp workers. So at the time, I was like, a temp agency, maybe I should start there. And I knew it was easier to get hired, you know, through them. You know, it wasn't nearly as difficult as if I went to MGM or Sony or any of those places just through their HR department. It was going to be very tough to get hired everybody was doing that. Mm-hmm. So I went to the temp agency, signed up, and they put me to work within a couple of days. Hmm. I was working for MGM. I worked for ABC. I worked everywhere. And and I worked for agents that taught me about how that works, you know, and I worked for a story editor. So I learned how editors read scripts and how they determine if a script is going to pass or, you know, I should say, get green lighted or fail. Mm. And so anyway, once I did that, that at least gave me an income. And that's another thing people forget when you go to be in the entertainment business. You better have another source of income. So mm. we'll get into that. But yeah, that was my my first step. And once I got here, got the job, I felt like I could make it.
0: So so I, I'm just listening to, to everything that you've been saying. You You went out there with no experience, but you had the determination to get it done and you were not going to take no for an answer. And I always say no means no, no. I had, it took me a long time to learn what no actually means. It just means next opportunity. So Mm -hmm. you were just waiting for the right moment, the right opportunity. And then when you got it, you took advantage of it, but not in the way that most people would think you 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 basically did a pivot because you said okay this is what I want to do, but I know that if I if I if I look to do it this way it's not going to work. But I have a here we go ladies and gentlemen I have a marketable skill that I can offer I can fill a need, so you fill the need. I don't care who it is, if you're in business, they need they need secretaries, they need office workers, they need people. Well, back then was the word and DOS and all of those things. So you you need you they need they needed those types of people. And it's interesting because when everyone goes to try and get into the entertainment industry, they all do it the same way. I want to be an mm-hmm. actor, I want to be a this, I want to be a that. Not understanding that. If you get in, you get in and mm-hmm. once you get in, I'll give you an example. I worked for public transportation for 28 and a half years. And uh, people would say, well, I want to do what you do. And I say, well, I don't know about that because it, it can be rough. I say, but this is what you do. If you want to work for this company, cause it's a very good company. I say, come in any way you can. I said, and if you have to come in on the bus, come in on the bus. I said, stay there for a little bit and then transfer out. Mm. But now you're in. Right. You're on the inside. You're all, you're in. It doesn't matter how you get in, as long as you get in. So if you have to, and, and there are so many stories of of you know, mega moguls in this business who started out in the mail room.
1: In the mail room. Gotta- one one time in the mailroom at Sony, Mm -hmm. he didn't appreciate it. And he thought, this is too hard. This is too much work. And, you know, he was Mr. I want to be successful right now. And he fooled around and got fired. Mm -hmm. And he was never able to get back in the industry. And that's another thing people don't know about this town. (laughs) And I don't mean this city. (laughs) I mean, the industry Mm -hmm. is a small town word gets around very fast. If you, if you are good at what you do, or if you've lied about who you are, or if you prove that you can't handle the job, you don't have people's skills. You don't know how to, you know, treat people. You're going to find out that your career is going to be very short in let's, this town. Let's
0: talk about that because we always talk about relationships and the importance of relationships. And over the past year, I've, I've found out how just how important relationships are because of some of the relationships that I've developed with certain people who two years ago, there was absolutely no way Mm -hmm. that I would have had the types of relationships that I have with them that I do now yourself, you know, being one of them, you know, a a, a producer in Hollywood, what, but (laughs) right. The power of relationships and being authentic in Hollywood, talk a little bit about that. For So for the listeners who are wanting to come to this saying, I'm coming because I, 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 I,
1: talk right. about the there, power well, the, of relationships. Is, you have got to, number one, make yourself valuable to people. You have got to provide value. If and I'll tell you, Clubhouse will really teach you real fast how to do that. If you aren't doing that, you won't get, be getting invited to come up and speak or getting invited to be a moderator or getting invited to participate in these rooms and stuff because and and I mean, I know people think, well, "What do I have to offer? What do I have to bring to the table? You know, I don't know anything." If you've been living on this earth at least 25 years, You know something that you can share with somebody. And so you need to stop, number one, thinking about what's in it for you and think about what do you bring to the table? Because I can tell you this, even just being a secretary, because I was a great secretary and I did a great job and people liked me, I got more opportunities than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that will get your foot in the door very fast in this industry is when you make yourself essential to people. And so what I learned to do was I learned to be a gatherer of information, first of all, and this was before Google. <laughs> I was Google. Mm. So if people wanted to know where something was located, best restaurant in that area where I was working, where the studio was. If somebody new came in, they didn't know people or whatever, I would take them around and introduce them to the different people in the departments and, I would give them whatever advice I could give. And what ended up happening was I started to get a reputation for being the person that you go to for information. So that's one way. And then the other thing was in being genuine, it makes people not only like you, but trust you. And trust is very important in this industry, loyalty and trust. And so if you're the kind of person that isn't going to, Uh, be loyal. You're not going to be authentic. And and by that, what I mean is, for example, there were times when I would be at work and didn't even know how I was going to eat lunch. Mm. That's how broke I was. And so I could have stood around and pretend like, you know, I really got it together and go outside and find somewhere to walk around and hang out for an hour to pretend I went to lunch Mm -hmm. (laughs) or just be phony, you know, but I would just straight out tell people, if they or especially if they offered me something or said, you know, I split my sandwich with you or would you like some of this salad? I wasn't too proud to say yes, thank you, and let them know how much I appreciated it. And when I got in better shape, I paid it forward. Right. I would do the same thing for other people. When we had a receptionist one time, she started working there and I had been promoted. And um, and I went to her and I said, you know, if you ever need anything or you ever have a problem or a question or some a situation that you need help with, don't hesitate to ask me. I said, I, if, even if I can't help, I may know somebody who can or I may have some resources that can help you. And so I've done that for a lot of people, a lot of people who move here from other states. Mm-hmm. They don't know where to get food or, you know, where to get help with your rent or whatever it is. There are so many different avenues and different things, services and, and all of that. If you are the type of person that will is willing to get out there and find out that information. And uh, back then, you know, we had a Rolodex.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> we didn't have a phone <laughs> that you could put all your information in. So I would, in my Rolodex, I was like a hotel concierge. <laughs> you could come to me and I could flip through my Rolodex and find almost anything that you needed. Or if there was somebody you needed to connect with, I could do that. Now, the key to that, though, is if a person is not authentic, the one thing I'm not going to do is put my reputation on the line by referring them to someone, a job or whatever it is. And that is another reason for being authentic, because when you're phony or you're lying to people or being deceptive or whatever, you're going to find out real quick that you'll get exposed, especially now with the Internet you're going to, somebody's going to find you out. So I always just tell people, just be who you are. And if you do need to make changes in yourself in some way to improve yourself, work on that, do that. Don't sit around talking about, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. They say, I'm, I'm too brash or, you know, I don't have good people skills or I'm not this or I'm not that. And we want to call that criticism, Mm -hmm. but that's what I call good criticism. Mm -hmm. There's good criticism and then there's haters, Mm know the difference
0: well you know what I call it criticism and critiquing I'm not criticizing you I'm critiquing you because and and everyone gets critiqued but if you if you get critiqued in a constructive way because there's a way you say things you can learn from that you should learn from that so you know depending on I mean but you know it, it really does depend on the delivery because some people they are haters and they just they just live to chop you down but right right as you said if you've been here a little long 25 years or whatever you kind of learn to discern that and and you kind of learn to listen a perfect example we were in a room a couple of days ago and a young lady said she was on a set with a dp uh she was on one set with him he was phenomenal but then when she went on a set and she was in charge This it the, the entire f- script just flipped and he was just horrible and some things came out in the conversation and basically what she said was she could run circles around him as a DP and he would say certain things to her and, and we were saying well basically that was his insecurity speaking mm-hmm. so when right. people criticize you sometimes it's not because of something that you're lacking it's because of something that they're lacking. And they're trying to put that on you to make you feel smaller. But I want to circle back just a little bit, because you were talking about all of the things that you were doing and putting together for other people. And the one word that kept popping into my mind was facilitator. Because Mm -hmm. there's this, 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 uh, gentleman, I don't know if you know him. His name is Clarence Avant. And he is just amazing. Yeah. Clarence Savant. Yeah. And, and I said, that's my goal, to be a, a, a Clarence Savant. Because mm-hmm. when things needed to get done, everybody went to Clarence Savant. So as you were talking, I was saying she was doing some Clarence Savant stuff. And, and, <laughs> and, and that, exactly. is, that is that is so important. Because when you're the type of person that people can rely on, That is so critical, because if you're the type of person that people can rely on, you're always going to be in the mix. You're always going to be in the mix. They're going to be like, you know what? Look, girl, Dorez. Hey, man, Dorez. Who can do it? Dorez. Did you talk to Dorez yet? So you're always (laughs) in the mix, and, and you don't have to be out front.
1: No, you sure don't. I was behind the scenes. I was just a little secretary back in my little office, you know, doing my paperwork. But one thing I I also learned about that, you get invited to all kinds of things. Mm. I've been to the Academy Award Luncheon for nominees. I've been a volunteer at like the magic show and just all these different opportunities. I'm trying to think of the name of now. It wasn't magic, but they, there's a like a big fashion show that they have the uh, Met? every year. Huh? The, Met,
0: the Met Gala?
1: The Met, the Met Gala. Oh my God! I've been, I've been uh, a volunteer there, and you just all these opportunities. Uh, worked with uh, the foundation that uh, grants wishes for children. Mm-hmm. Uh, grant Make a Wish. Yes. Foundation. So all these different things. The reason I mention these is because any kind of opportunity to volunteer, you should do it, it because you you're going to meet all kinds of amazing people, and they're going to be meeting you on a different level. Mm-hmm than they normally would if they met you in real life somewhere and you're a PA or something, you know, or they met you on the set or whatever and you're just a PA. A lot of times they may not give you the respect, you know, or or acknowledge you in any way. But they meet you at the Met Gala, you know, now you're on a different level and they're going to be like, oh, she must know somebody, you know, she's connected. Same thing with doing that for uh, film festivals. If I, I know known what I know now, I would have volunteered more, to work with film festivals, because that's another great way to meet the up and comers, especially. Mm-hmm. Some of us are so obsessed about meeting celebrities or you know meeting the heavyweights in the industry. They don't need you. And that's what you gotta remember. You need to be meeting people who need you and need what you have to offer and your services and your ideas and your information. And as you keep doing that, then you're gonna find yourself becoming invaluable to people. And once you become invaluable to somebody, believe me, it's going to be just like you were saying, your name is just going to keep popping up in their head every time they need something or they think of somebody. And then at some point when it starts to happen, and I didn't even see it happening, you start to realize that all of the work you've been doing, all of the giving you've been doing is coming back to you. And that's how I look at it now with all these projects. i got so many projects more now than I've ever had in my whole life. Mm. I had a whole spell of like years where nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. And I would just work on other people's stuff, you know, and help them out. And there are people that don't want to do that. I Sometimes when I'm on Clubhouse and I hear people just talking about me, 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 and my project, my project, my project, not realizing that, Right on the left and right side of you yes. might be somebody who has a much better project that might be good to go, that might even have the financing already in place. And you're sitting there worrying about why can't you get the money for your project
2: mm-hmm.
1: or being jealous that they got the money instead of saying they got the money for their project. Maybe they can hire me. Right. And that's why it's, that's why it's also important to uh, get as many skills as you can, because then you can be hired i mean i worked as a pa and then one day i was working uh on the set and the second ad didn't show up i think he got sick or something and they put me in his spot just like that Bam. I became a second AD and I didn't even know how to do that job, but I wasn't going to tell them that
0: Right.
1: (laughs) you can believe me and see now these people, these, these young people, now they need to quit talking about what they don't know. And can somebody tell them you can Google almost anything you want to know now you can get on YouTube and find a video for anything you want to know how to do. So you can imagine, here I was, second AD. I don't even know what that is. I did. I knew it was stood for second uh, assistant director, but I didn't know what that person does. Mm-hmm. You can believe me. I called our second AD, the one I was replacing, and you know, offered my sympathies that he was ill, <laughs> and I said, since I'm taking over for you, would you mind giving me a few tips? Do you know he gave me some tips? And that helped me. And I ultimately became a production coordinator because of some of his help. Wow. So you just never know what's going to happen. And, and that's why I say always say yes when some opportunities come up. I mean, you've got to get some powers of discernment. Like you said, yes. you got to know when it's the good and the bad. you got to know when people are shysters or scammers or whatever. If your radar is going off, you're getting that feeling that's telling you, don't do it. Don't fool with this person or don't take up the, you know, don't go with this opportunity. Listen to that voice because that voice will never steer you wrong.
0: No, it won't. But you know what? Again, I'm, I'm just, I'm just learning so much. It's all about taking advantage of the opportunity and doing it the right way, but it's also about being, being open to, a shift people always say well i have a plan b i don't have a plan b but my plan a is flexible i don't believe in plan b i just have a flexible plan a because i've learned over the years that you just can't have a rigid plan a because it never works because you have twists you have turns things will happen as long as i reach my destination if i have if i have to take a pivot then i will so everything to get to the end goal of being a, a producer in hollywood Took you a number of places, but it all led to the same destination. It's just like sometimes if you if you use a GPS, the road's blocked. I'm going to go. I'm going to you know put in mm-hmm. another route, but I'm going to end up at the destination. And, and you know you were talking about Clubhouse. It amazes me how so many people with information at their fingertips are unwilling to find it.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: and and, and, and I can't understand that.
1: This is how I became a consultant at Floyd, <laughs> because I found out that people are too lazy to do stuff. And sometimes they really don't have time. Yes. You know, if you've got a mother that's, you know, got three or four kids or whatever, and, you know, she's trying to help them and she's also, you know, uh, married or whatever it is, there are people that really can't not, you know, they don't have the time to do all this stuff that they need done. And so I started having people hire me to get information for them. And I would teach them how to get into the industry. I have clients that I'm teaching them how to take their book from a book to a movie. All of these are things, services. And the reason I want to bring that up is because all of us have some kind of skills or talent mm-hmm. that we can offer, some kind of service, knowledge, whatever it is. So I wanna tell you, the first thing you have to know about the entertainment business is that it is not steady money. There are so many actors who don't make even anywhere near a living. Uh, You know, most are working other jobs and most have other streams of income. And so I just want to briefly touch on that because nobody told me. So I'm thinking I'm going to go get a job. And I didn't understand the difference when you're in development and you're in the offices. That's a steady paycheck. Mm -hmm. I mean, at one point I was making six hundred dollars a week and this was back in the 90s. Wow. And and so, and that was just in an office, you know, in a production company office. So that's a different path. You know, if you want to go the development side of the business, you can work in that industry and make a living. But if you want to be a filmmaker, a writer, you know, you want to be a producer, all of those type of jobs, director or film production, anything like that, you are not going to be getting steady money. So you have to become a very good money manager mm-hmm. to be able to make it between shows and, you know, between projects. My my partner that you mentioned earlier when you were reading my bio, uh, Willie Burton, mm-hmm. Willie is a two-time Academy Award winning sound mixer. But he will tell you, he, he's been in the business like 40 years probably. He will tell you that it, there were some hard times between shows. You know, he'd get hired to do a movie or whatever. And it might be three more months before he work again. So what are you going to do for three months? So I always tell people, keep in mind, when you start in this business, you are a freelancer. Mm-hmm. So you better be getting some other sources of income. And I'm going to give you just a few ideas of some things that you can do. Because I know a lot of times people say, well, you say that, but how do we get these things, you know? So, a couple of things that you can do. One is that you need to learn how to invest your money. There's a site, I think it's called Stash. I had it written down here somewhere, but I think it's called Stash. You can get, you can uh, sign up with them and learn how to invest in like companies like Apple, Amazon, all like that, Google. And I mean, for very small amounts of money. Yes. You know, like $5 or whatever it is, $10. I just made a
0: little bit more money on Apple a couple of days ago. I got an email.
1: Bingo! There you go. That's some things you can do. You can also drive, you know, like for DoorDash, you know, Uber, all those places, Uber Eats. You can do Instacart. There's just so many ways to make little bits of extra money in between jobs. And you want to keep in mind, too, that you can do background work. Let's say you're not working right now. You're looking for something to do and you want to be in the industry. Take on some background jobs because that'll do a couple of things that's going to do for you. It'll get you on sets, so you will start to learn how the industry works. You'll learn, the, start learning the terminology and all of that, although I have that in my book, too. I have a book that you mentioned earlier, ebook called Careers in Film, and I put in there all the terminology we use in the industry so you won't look, so, look and sound stupid when you're on sets mm-hmm. or you don't understand what they're talking about. I even have the walkie-talkie codes in there for uh, the uh, PAs So, that you'll know when you're handling the walkie talkie, what to do, or what some people call the radio. You'll learn, you'll know what language to use, what to say. You know, if somebody says, What's your 20? They mean, Where are you
2: Mm -hmm.
1: on the set? So, it's little stuff like that that I threw in there because I know that if you don't know the terminology, you don't know the basics, nobody's going to hire you. So, some other things that you can do too is you can offer your skills on places like Fiverr. You can also be a virtual assistant and even real life things where you can do stuff that's not necessarily online, but there's people that get out there and clean houses and paint people's houses, paint rooms, put up fences, whatever you know how to do, believe me, it's going to pay off. You're going to be glad that you learned how to do it. I have a friend that knows how to work on cars. And so between jobs... He's working on cars, making good money. Mm -hmm. And people say always saying, like, how do you make it from one show to the next? You know, that's how you do it, is to keep your mind open for all sorts of opportunities, work from home jobs, whatever you can do. Sign up with temp agencies and employment agencies and just keep working, keep doing stuff, keep generating money because you're going to need money. And we can get into that too if you want to talk about raising money for See, movies. Now
0: now you 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 talked about stuff that's not glamorous. This is Hollywood. Right. That's where Hold most on now. Go, Hold on. They want to go on the did, red did, carpet. Did, did she say paint somebody's house or clean or work on a car? That's not why I came to Hollywood. But you know what? You can't be on anybody's film set starving. You can't build somebody's film set without a place to live and
1: And you can't be going to stores and your, and your card is uh, declined. You know, so look, (laughs) and, 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 and,
0: and, you know, if you look at a lot of the people and I'm just speaking to the audience, if you look at a lot of people that you admire now that have are pretty successful in the business, if you go back in their history, and this is why I always urge people you gotta do some background research on on these actors or anyone in the industry that mm-hmm. you are, you know, emulating or looking to be like, and you can't look at where they are now. You have to look at where they started because right. everyone has a starting point. And you have, and I, it was a story and I always like to share it. Bruce Willis and John Goodman, the guy from Roseanne. I think it's John Goodman. I think mm-hmm. that's his name. And mm-hmm. he always talked about when they were coming up together because they came up together in the theater. And he remember he 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 related a story about how they were doing this production in this little backwater rundown theater and they weren't making a dime. <laughs> and they were saying to themselves, hey, man, one day we're going to make it. And these are two of the, you know, the, the, the best yep. actors in the game. And uh-huh. there was a time when they weren't making a dime.
1: Yeah, I know several actresses who, who worked in uh, retail
0: mm-hmm.
1: for years, you know, and Marla Gibbs, she kept her job at the airport. Even when the show went on the air,
0: mm-hmm.
1: she was still working at the airport.
0: <laughs> because you never know. And,
1: Yeah, because you never know. You can be on a show and come into work one day and they say the show has been canceled Mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. I was working on a show one time and they did that. I was working in the production office and it was a game show. And they came in. I came into work and they just announced it. And then we just had to pack our stuff up and leave like that same day. And I was like, what? (laughs) So. This is why I tell people, you. I love what you say about having a plan A that's flexible. Mm-hmm. You, that word flexibility is a word that you better learn, especially if you plan to work in this industry, because yeah. nothing is guaranteed. You can have a show, it can get canceled. You can have a movie deal that you think is a sure thing and have it fall apart. In fact, a lot of the projects that I worked on early in my career mm-hmm. didn't go anywhere. And that's why I don't have a whole lot of stuff on my resume. A lot of people will say, well, how have you been in the industry this long? And you haven't done like 20 movies. Mm -hmm. I'm not an actress, first of all. (laughs) I'm a (laughs) producer. The average, do you know the average producer does anywhere from two to three movies in their lifetime? Oh, wow. In their career. If you've done more than that, you are exceptional. Mm. Now, this is with being paid, you know, making money. I'm not talking about just producing, like there's a lot of people out there doing one film after another, you know, one short film after another, and then they wonder why nothing's happening in their career. They they're not doing it with any sort of end goal in mind. You mm. know, the movie never gets seen anywhere. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about actually having a movie that made money and that you got paid to do, and it's very very few producers make a living at this. And that's why I count myself as one of the lucky ones, because I just hung in there is what it is. <laughs> I have longevity on my side. It, it wasn't about making a ton of money. Now I'm, I'm going to be making good money. But for a long time, I just worked in any capacity. I helped all kinds of people on their projects just so I could learn and get experience. And then after I had enough experience, I did something, too, that a lot of people don't want to do because, like you said, they like the glamour side. Mm-hmm. I started doing projects that some people consider like corporate projects, and they're not really – the mine weren't really corporate. But I started doing things like school projects. Mm-hmm. You know, if a school wanted to hire a producer to do, you know, something based on a book they – you know, that they use at the school or – they just want to do a video about their school and, you know, the selling points of their school and why it's good to go there. And whatever it was, I just started saying yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because that's how I ended up meeting a lady. um, Her name is Mary, Mary Evans. I met Mary online. And because I'm the type of person, I'm always saying yes to people. When she contacted me and said, she has a show on the air. She needs some help. You know, and do, could I give her some advice? And initially she was going to be a client and then she changed her mind. Well, I should say her circumstances changed and she wasn't able to do it mm-hmm. or to continue doing it. And there are people who, if if you say they started out, they were paying me, they were my client. And all of a sudden they weren't. There are people who just drop you. You ne- then you never hear from them again. You'd be wondering what happened. Mm-hmm. They, I thought they cared about me and was so concerned <laughs> And I uh, wanted to see my career flourish, you know, and so <laughs> you'll find out a lot of these coaches and, and consultants, it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. For me, I genuinely want to help people. I will not even take on a client if I don't think I can help them. Right. And so Mary, I turned I, I turned to her and I said, you know what, don't worry about paying me. I said, whatever it is that I can do for you, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And do you know right now, long story short, I'm going to fast forward. She and I are the ones that are now doing the reality show that I keep talking about.
2: Wow. Fix My Chirp.
1: Wow. She and I are producers of that. So you just never know where something is going to lead. Mm-hmm. I didn't start out, you know, thinking what's in it for me. What is, you know, what can she do for me? And I, I didn't even know she she had this idea. Mm. And then all of a sudden she just said, you know, I've had a couple of ideas I've been batting around and, you know I don't really know where to go with them you know and she says I need some development advice and if you're willing to do it I'm willing to bring you on as a you know full-fledged partner with me wow and so that's
0: wow doing. wow wow see again it goes back to being of service and you know what it, it go and, and that basically was just uh, planting a seed and and sometimes this industry, Is also about investment, yes. And you just base you invested in her, and she saw that. And see, so many people that they they just want it right now, they want it right now, they want it right now. And sometimes it takes a little cultivation, it takes you Mm -hmm. investing some time. But you have to be someone that, and I for lack of a better word, you have to be someone that's worthy of that investment,
2: Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm.
0: And 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 the fact that that you did that it really I'm I'm sure it really resonated with her. And see, people need to understand it. Let's go back a little bit. You said something earlier that so many people that have made it have said Issa Rae, Gary Vaynerchuk. They talk about lateral networking as opposed to vertical mm-hmm. networking because so many people want to network vertically and and and, <laughs> and try to get to people that. At this point in time, you ain't getting to them it is what it is, but you don't you don't do it vertically and what what you kind of did was she came on as a client things didn't work for whatever reason, but you didn't say, "Okay, well, you know what since you can't pay me that's the end of it." You developed right. a, a, a relationship you kind of networked laterally and said, "You know what mm-hmm. I'm going to develop a relationship with this woman." And then we'll see where it goes. And then fast forward, you guys are working on a reality show and you have absolutely no idea what could come from that. Right. And and, and And let
1: me tell you something else that happened. mm -hmm. She ended up referring a guy to me who became a client. And now I'm producing his feature film based on his book. See that. And that's the film I was telling you about that we're going to talk about. See that. You
0: See that. See now that now, is basically out you. of
1: that one person, mm-hmm. that one relationship and that one decision. And the reason I want to stress that about it being one decision is that we are all just one decision away from success or failure. Yes. And that's why you have got to learn how to know when an opportunity is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And there are times when people might ask you to work for free, for example, as an actor. I've had people even ask me, I'm not an actress, but they they know I can act. I'm a character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I can't be very silly. And so sometimes they'll ask me, and I used to say no Mm
2: -hmm.
1: all the time because I was like, I'm not an actress. And uh, so recently, uh, a guy asked me to fill in uh, at the last minute, they didn't have an actress, an older black actress that they needed for a commercial. And at the time, I was like, a commercial? No, I, that really isn't me. I, I can't do that. And so I was going to say no. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, this guy was very nice to me. And I remember when I had a problem, an issue, he helped, you know, and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So I said yes to it. And now I heard the other day, my commercial has gotten over 7 million views.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not the only one in the commercial, but uh, but yeah. And 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 things like that, you just never know what's going to happen and what opportunity. And I mean, they're paying me. And so I'm like, these are ways that you can make money that you don't think of. Because you're too locked into I want it to happen this way or I want it to be on this path right. or I want to know this person. I want to, you know, I want to make it a certain way. Don't ever make your plan so uh, inflexible that you miss an opportunity because you are too worried about how it's going to happen. And that's the other thing. You don't know how it's going to happen. You could just be out somewhere. I, I mean, I'm going to try to tell this story quickly. No, no. Tell the story there's a guy who is a writer he's well known now so I'm not going to say his name but he had written a script and he thought it would be perfect as a feature and he just he didn't know what to do with it though and years were passing and things just weren't going well for him he was on the verge of getting his home what do they call it Re- I forget what they call it right Re- repossessed getting, his home, uh, getting kicked out of his home he had all kind of issues marriage was falling apart and everything And a friend of his, uh, well, his agent, but the agent was also his friend, told him that he had uh, an opportunity to pitch the script. And he wondered if the guy was interested in letting him pitch it. And this was to a big name, big name actor and director and producer. So anyway, he he pitched it to him. Well, He didn't set up a meeting like normally the way it would have gone. He didn't do the Hollywood way, whatever. What happened was he happened to be in a restaurant and in walks this celebrity that he wanted to pitch it to. And the guy who was eating with him knew the celebrity. Mm. And, he, and so when he told him about the project, the guy said, well, I'll introduce you to him. So he takes him over, introduces him to the guy, they talk, the guy is telling him about the script, and, and he says that it's uh, something to do with JFK. And this celebrity is a JFK fanatic. Mm. So he was like, it's about John Kennedy. And uh, he says, yeah. And, the, and the guy said, uh, told the agent says, send it to me. So he sent it to him and it got made, and it's a wow. big hit success. But anyway, wow. yeah, so I heard that through a friend, so I can't vouch for every detail of it, but it, it happened like that. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who could have said, I'm just going to quit this business because mm-hmm. I'm about to lose my home. You know, I'm having all kind of other problems. It's creating other troubles. And, you know, apparently this script is no good. Nobody is interested, you know, and I'm just going to forget. He could have given up, but he didn't. And I wanted to share that story because I know there are people out there who feel like I'm just as talented as so-and-so, you know. So why isn't this happening for me? And sometimes the reason it's not happening is because you're not ready. Mm-hmm. I remember myself, I didn't start out wanting to be a producer. I didn't even know what a producer does until I went and took that little class in the, uh, for, at the cable company. But once I learned what they do, I realized that I had the skills for it. And then I realized, okay, now that means you need to really learn how to do this job. So working for ABC, doing that children's special taught me some of it, but that was television. I didn't know anything about the film side. Mm -hmm. And then a friend of mine came to me and she had an idea for a movie and she had got some of the money. And she said, well, you know what? I wouldn't need more money if I could get a good crew. And that's one thing my partner and I, we know how to do. We can get you a crew. Mm -hmm. I mean, top notch crew for very little money. And so we got this crew and we did this movie for her. And it was a horrible movie. You better not go watch it, Floyd. No. <laughs>
0: now, you know, I got to go look it up.
1: You might have said, I oh, know I don't want her on this podcast.
0: Oh, uh, boy. I got to go anyway. look it up.
1: It was just a, an associate producer. I'm going to say I'm going to plead the fifth on that about I didn't really have any authority okay. to do it the way I would have done it because, hmm. you know, I'm. I do 100%. <laughs> but anyway, I let her have her way because I know she didn't know, you know, better. And some people, they're just, you know, hard-headed. They got to learn by going to the School of Hard Knocks. to
0: learn it the hard way.
1: So I let her learn the hard way, but it was the best experience ever for me because Willie was doing the main producing along with uh, another guy that she had brought to the table. So they were the the main ones running things. But Willie didn't have final say on stuff. So if he had had final say, believe me, we would have had a hit movie. <laughs> but what I did learn from doing that was I was able to watch Willie work. And because Willie has worked on some major films mm-hmm. like the Shawshank Redemption and, you know, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, of all my kinds favorites, of, you know, of my favorites. And yeah, he's done Dolomite, The Green Mile. Oh, wow. <laughs> Compton. So he's done all these movies as a sound mixer, of course. But because he's done those movies and because the sound mixer works so closely with the director and the DP, he has learned everything there is to know about shooting a movie. Mm -hmm. So I was able to learn from him. So he became sort of a mentor to me and and because he's my partner also in the business, he was able to educate me on things that it would have taken me years to learn. Mm. So I consider myself blessed because I didn't have to learn the hard way. I didn't have to make a bunch of mistakes. Willie would, if it was something I wanted to do and it wasn't right, it wasn't going to work. One thing about Willie, he's not going to sugarcoat it. He tell you. And even as long as we have known each other, he will still tell me if there's something he feels like, you know, that isn't going to work or isn't a good suggestion or whatever. He'll say, No, we shouldn't do it that way. He was the one that kind of woke me up about uh, shooting short films, too, and about festivals Mm -hmm. and all of that. A lot of people have that idea of, I want to be in the big festivals. Yeah, I'm going to get in Sundance and the Cannes Festival. No, (laughs) not going to happen. You better go and try to get in these smaller festivals Mm -hmm. where you're going to get some real support and where they're going to really give you some love and some help. Mm -hmm. And coaching and whatever else you need to, you know, make your your experience and you build relationships
0: and you build relationships with other filmmakers. And when you build relationships with other filmmakers, these are the people that you begin to have your upward trajectory with the 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 percentage of films that get in a con and Sundance. and, And here's a little secret about those two festivals just because you get in those two festivals does not guarantee that you're going to be the next whatever because it just does not guarantee that and most and so many people I got into Sundance I got in a con I got into Tribeca yeah your chances are better but you still have to do the work and most people once I get in I'm good but they've had they've had plenty of stories where people's films have gotten into those phenomenal film festivals, Toronto, and nothing happened because you just your film went there and that was it. But you didn't do yeah, anything you get lost after that. Shell. That's exactly what happens. So regardless yeah. if you go to Cannes or if you go to a Can-Can, if they even have a, a Can-Can film festival, if you're not mm-hmm. marketing yourself, if you're not learning this from a business standpoint, if you're not networking and if you're not marketing, if you're not uh, treating it like a product and doing everything that you can to get your name and your film out there you know being having a presence on social media so what your film was in Sundance if not, okay and, and if that's all you say oh, my film was in Sundance, so why should I go watch it? What would make me go watch your film just because it was other films in Sundance as well that were marketed mm-hmm. better? you know people talked about them it's just
1: like getting on netflix right. you can get your movie on netflix or on amazon or wherever um, but if you don't know what you're doing it's just going to be lost in those millions of other projects the that rest, are out there
0: if i hear somebody say one more time i'm trying to get on netflix i'm going <laughs> to scream because all right i'm just going to and, and and we 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 have come to our hour but we're going to stay a little bit longer but i it the, the I'm when when we're on Clubhouse and well I'm I'm trying to get on Netflix and and I'm like why are you trying to get on Netflix? Well, because I want to. Well, just because your film is on Netflix doesn't oops does not necessarily mean that it's going to do anything. Because I'll just take myself for instance. When I'm on Netflix, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I don't know how many times and I've scrolled past stuff with big names in it. So mm-hmm. just because your film is on Netflix or if your film is on Amazon, that doesn't mean anything. It just means your film's on Netflix is on Amazon. What kind of deal did you get? Because people, oh, I got my film on Netflix. What kind of deal did you get? I got my film on Amazon. What kind of deal would you get? What kind of money are you making off of that?
1: Unless you're known Netflix isn't going to pay you much money. They're not. I can tell you that right now. My partner, Willie, Willie is uh, on the uh, diversity committee, Mm -hmm. minority diversity committee at Netflix. And he tells me all the time because he knows all kind of people over there. He's got connections. But he tells me all the time that two things he always cautions people about. And that's Netflix and Amazon. That what they do is they take advantage of unknown filmmakers, Mm -hmm. So they're happy that you come into them and you you're nobody in basically industry. You're not a name. You don't have a name attached to your project. You know, you don't have some producers that are already established. So what they do is they take advantage of that and pay you pennies (laughs) for for your film, you know, that you put your blood, sweat and tears into and your money, maybe. And so I just tell people all the time, First of all, stop trying to determine where something should go. You know, oh, I want it on Netflix, I want it on HBO, whatever it is. Stop worrying about that and get your project right. Mm-hmm. Get that script the best that it can be. If I get somebody telling me they've rewritten a script three or four times, I know that's not enough times. That means you haven't you haven't polished it up enough for me to be putting my name on it, mm-hmm. being involved with in the project. So so keep in mind that you need to spend your time on getting the project right. Once you've got it right, then you can start thinking about where could it go? Because now you've got a quality, something of quality. And, and once you start thinking about that, don't lock yourself in. Like you said, don't, don't have an inflexible plan A. Make it very flexible, very fluid, and just say, okay, I might end up having to do this as a web series and put it on my own website or but, whatever, you but know. But that's OK. On but that's OK. As long as it's out there in the in the Internet universe, somebody's going to see it some kind of way. And you can then start doing all your publicity or your advertising, you know, getting the word out, getting your friends and family and everybody else to help you get the word out getting your actors to help you get the word out in the crew and everybody, but just try to make a good project.
0: Hey everybody. It's Floyd Marshall host of a conversation with, have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment. And I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode. To your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question.
1: I'll tell you a good first project for filmmakers. And most of them don't want to do it because they say, well, I can't tell a story in five minutes but you should do a five or 10 minute uh, short just to see how it goes and to see what it is that you know and what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And if you can, if at all possible, try to do it, write the story in such a way that you need minimal locations, should be one, two at the most, or try to find one location that has different areas you know that you can use maybe a backyard or a patio or a front porch or whatever it is and and you know or rent an airbnb shoot whatever you're going to shoot all in that one location five minutes usually that equals about five pages (laughs) depending on how much action you have in in the story and if you do that for this is just only for filmmakers do that you'll see whether or not you have what it takes and the other thing to remember is that you can work on other people's projects. you don't have to write everything that you do mm-hmm. and and there are some people they are good writers anyway, so don't i I'm just getting to be honest now with people. <laughs> I used to read scripts and then try to be nice mm-hmm. and now I just you know what this script doesn't work, and you not you don't have the capability to fix it and it's a hard thing to hear you know I heard a, a lady last night in a a clubhouse room and she was ready to quit. And not just like the whole business, but she wants to quit with the film ideas she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And she said, I think I'm just gonna go back to plays. I, I used to produce my own plays and pay for them myself. And 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 then this is what's funny about that. After everybody started pouring into her and trying to encourage her and all of that, one of them said, well, why did you quit doing plays in the first place? And she said, my husband got tired of me not making any money on my mm-hmm. plays putting money out but i wasn't making any money so see what does that tell you Mm. why are we hard-headed why don't we just say you know what apparently i don't have what it takes to make this happen right or it just not be the right time and not the right people willie and i have discovered that that when the time is right all the elements come together and you meet the right people you know the project is right Everything is right. It all falls together.
0: But you know what else could could have happened with with her? Boy, and, and we're about to close because I don't want to keep it too much longer. The problem with so many people, and this is one of the reasons I teach business to filmmakers is because they don't approach it that way. At so one of the part. reasons that you might not have made any money, how are you marketing that play? exactly how are you getting and word the out with doing it
1: all yourself too. right do you have a team she's almost like a one-woman show See, situation you you, you work. cannot do everything yourself you work. need a team you need some people to help you out and there are people out there who will help you you know if they love your project there are people who will work for free yes to be able to work in this industry yes and and they are people you know some of them so i always tell people get referrals Do your due diligence, you know, vet the person. But if you come across some good people who are willing to work with you, don't say no. (laughs) Take them on, let them help you, and then you'll be surprised how things turn around. But like you said, it's how you're marketing it and not looking at it as a business. And as a producer, that's one of the things I have to do. I can never get so caught up in a story that I forget this is a business.
0: Absolutely. And
1: so... That's my closing parting words there.
0: <laughs> so, so Dorez,
1: what's next? What's next? Yes. Okay. So the next thing is, uh, well, I'm doing the charter school project in Baton Rouge. That will be in February, February of next year. I'll be shooting that. It'll probably be about a, a week long shoot. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be doing a, a, a movie that's based on an Amazon bestseller, mm-hmm. It's called The Untold Secret, but that's not gonna be the name of the movie. We're still working on a, a good title. <laughs> if you come up with something, let me know. Okay. <laughs> but um, but that's the film that I was telling you about. We're gonna shoot part of it in New Jersey, and that'll that'll mostly be exterior shots. Mm-hmm. And so we'll probably just use extras and stuff for some of that. And then we'll be shooting the rest of it, most likely in Georgia, because of the tax incentives.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Probably wow. a little bit outside of Atlanta. And then I also have a, a project I haven't said much about, but I'm going to mention it here. You're getting a, an exclusive,
0: Frank. Oh, I mean, i are getting exclusives.
1: Excuse. I'm, you're right. You're getting exclusive. I am going to be doing a documentary called The Wealth Secret. Oh, wow. And it's all about how to acquire wealth and how to pass it down through the generation.
0: I can't wait for that.
1: And we have some millionaires and billionaires that are going to be interviewed.
0: Wow. So when do you guys start principal shooting on that one?
1: That one, it looks like we're not sure yet because we don't have all the money. We have some some of the money. Okay. so what we're going to do is we're going to shoot a sizzle first. Okay. And then once we shoot the sizzle reel and that'll probably be like April or May, somewhere, maybe in there, maybe March. Um, after we do the the uh, charter school project, we'll do that one.
0: Wow, sounds amazing. So I got
1: going on. And then the other projects, the other two projects, one is an action uh, thriller, sort of, called The Legal Hitman. Oh. And so I'll tell you more about that later. That that's, script isn't finished yet. Okay. And then the final one is Cabin Four. You mentioned that one in my bio. Cabin 4 is my baby. That's the one that I've been waiting to shoot that for probably 15
0: years. Oh, wow.
1: It's a supernatural thriller. And you don't see too many of those as a black film. No. And it's not, but the lead character is going to be a black guy.
0: Good, good, good. And I hope he survives to the end of the movie.
1: Because,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they like <laughs> cutting us out and those brother don't go in there. Brother, in fact, brother don't go in, in there. Fact-
1: Glover has committed to being oh, in
0: that one. Awesome. And so he's going to play a bad guy. That is, wow. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds that's exciting. Like
1: we can get done. Cause you know, we all getting up there in age now, so we got to hurry up.
0: Right. Right. You guys are, you just, you just, you just refined. You're, 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 you're just refined. <laughs>
1: you're
0: like, that's right. That's <laughs> right. But this has been Thank absolutely you. amazing. I am so glad that you decided to come on and have a chat with me for little over an hour and i hope that everyone that will be listening to this you will take away all of the gems and the, the just the wealth of knowledge that that the shared because she just basically talked about the various ways that you can get into this industry there's not one way to do this there are so many different ways that you can get into this business and be successful at it i mean as we said, your plan A has to be flexible. You got to be flexible. You have to be willing to to jig and jag and whatever, but you got to be willing to, you got to be willing to flexible. But before we go, where can people find you?
1: Oh, okay. They can find me on Instagram as Ms. D'Orez. That's M-S-D-O-R-E-Z. Or you can find me on Facebook, D'Orez Douglas. And you'll know which page see, I got two pages. So I have a private page just for my family and friends. But if you look at the one that has close to 5000 friends, that's the that's the main one. That's the one I'm on the
0: most. OK. And as you can see, ladies and gentlemen, she used her real name so yes. she can. So people can find you. People can find you. Please use your real name. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me and Mr. Rez Douglas phenomenal. Thank you for those wonderful questions. I wanted to say that. You asked some wonderful questions. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. But you know what? My guests, you know, they just always raise my level. They, you guys really do, you know, I, because you know what? I never, ever go into an interview with a set, with set questions. I just don't because, Mm -hmm. you know, as the title to the podcast, a conversation with, you don't have a set set of questions when you're conversating you just let the conversation take you where it will and i find that for my for for me it just works out better it just works Mm -hmm. out better that way because you end up talking for an hour and a half and you don't even know you've been talking because we've been talking almost an hour and a half
1: oh my god we're am so fast
0: that's what i'm talking about that's why it's it's a we just sat and had a conversation we just had the conversation so i am not going to keep you any longer but again thank you so much and you know what one other thing before we go mm-hmm. i am flying out to los angeles for the uh the michu film festival i just don't know when it is the michu film festival i'll have to check that out yeah because i'm, I'm online and they're, they're, they're accepting submissions and i'm you know because uh i used to travel to the american black film festival Mm-hmm. But and I'm gonna get a little political here. And it is what it is until they get a new governor in Florida. I'm not stepping foot in, in Florida. They, can't, they, they, they are not getting a dime of my money. Now, and there may be some people right. that say, I liked your podcast until you said that. Well, it was nice having you as a listener. But if you're choosing to leave because I said I'm not going to Florida until they get a new governor, then it is what it is. So I hope you've learned something from all the previous podcasts that you've listened to. But no, and I and I, and it's sad because I've I've uh, attended the ABFF numerous times, but I just can't, I I just cannot, in good conscience, spend my money in Florida. So I'll be traveling to I about that issue. Yeah, uh, festival for you and let you know. Yeah, because you know I'm sitting yeah. here. when You come out here. You got to meet when you come out here. You know what? I want to meet so many people because everyone's out in L.A. You guys are, you know, going to Tamika's premieres and Cheryl's things. And actually, I'm judging women of color in film. They're having their award show tomorrow. That's Laundie. Yeah, event. So Laundie asked me to be a judge for for the film. So I'll be attending that virtually tomorrow. So I'm extremely excited about that. Yeah. So, yeah. so I want to come out, I want to come out to Los Angeles next year and meet everybody. So Ms. Dorez, thank you so much. I truly, truly enjoyed this and I truly appreciate it. And you are going to have to come back.
1: Yes. Yes. And you have to have Willie on. We'll have to give you, know what? To talk about you know what? Because we were, remember we had that discussion about yes, some. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Oh,
1: I could tell you. <laughs> So he can tell you all about that
0: so the next as t- well as producing interesting. So the next time you're on, because, uh, well, I might as well announce it. I am adding a new chapter to a conversation with called Building Tables. So it'll be huh? a roundtable discussion with three to four people in the entertainment industry. And we're going to be talking about different topics and people what? of color in the, in the film industry. That's, that's another reason I started this, because I, I, I listen to podcasts quite a bit but what I wasn't hearing was a perspective from people of color in this industry and especially women. And I said, well, you know what, I'm going to create it. So that's what I did. So we will have you, Willie, and another guest on Building Tables in 2022 so we can all sit down and we can talk about the importance of sound and the importance of us as black filmmakers stepping up our game in that department. Because as a film festival curator, who Derez, we could be here for another hour. I could tell you some stories. And I'm sure you could tell me some stories.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness, Willie. Oh boy, Willie has stories to share. You will not believe.
0: I you know what? I'm and,
2: right
1: here. I sure have enjoyed being here. Yes,
0: I have enjoyed you being here. And again, 20 minutes later, I'm not going to keep you any longer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but awesome. when,
1: I'm enjoying every minute but of it. You know, it.
0: when you're talking to people you like, it, it just the time just flies. So it is what it is. But, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you heard, please share this with your friends. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and anchor and Google and breaker and all that other good stuff, because we're trying to get these numbers up. um, Because again, you, you are hearing things from people that are actually in the industry and they're giving you some phenomenal information for the low, low price of free 99. So we hope that you've enjoyed it. We've hoped that you've enjoyed everything that Mr. Res Douglas has shared. And on that note, thank you guys so much and have an amazing rest of your week. Good night, everyone.